does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The final home game of the season for the Indiana Pacers, and we will round out the week. Chat about that and what is about as good of a round one leaderboard as you're going to see at Augusta National. Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton on what looks to be a nice stretch of weather. Upcoming here in the city of Indianapolis, we cannot stay the, say the same about Augusta National. It looks pretty dicey down there later today and into tomorrow. We have not had a Monday finish at the Masters since 1983, but um, if we get a lot of rain, that could be something to look into. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Kevin, have you seen the movie Blow? It's been 20 years or so since it was out. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who. Johnny Depp was in it, right? Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty good movie, right? Yep. Yeah, probably a handful of years ago. Uh, do you so, remember uh, Pee Wee Herman's in it, too, by the way? But when they... <laughs> Excuse me? What's his laugh? Can you try that again? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great effort, Mark. Thank that, you. Is, have you done that before? I would be lying Have you been a Pee Wee no. Herman impersonator for quite some time? Yeah. Okay. Um... There's a scene in the movie where, I hate to say it this way, but they're checking the purity of some drugs, and the one guy says, you know, he, he like kind of reacts for a second and goes, I, 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 I can't feel my face. Remember that scene? Yeah. I got the second shingles vaccination yesterday. Uh-huh. And I, I, I can't believe that I'm about to give this disclaimer, considering it's, I think, been around for like 75 years, but... Um, I respect and understand and appreciate that some people decide to do their own research on vaccines and that kind of thing. I get it. It's a hell of a way to start a Friday. I did my own research and figured out that I would follow the guise of the one person who has actually seen the inside of my heart. <clears throat> Thought, okay, I'll go ahead and get this. The second shot, they say, has some side effects. I, guys, I can't feel my face. Oh, really? Like, I came walking in this morning, and I'm like, I, I think I'm a zombie. Like there's a song that the lyrics are like, I can't feel my face when I'm with mm-hmm. you. That might be a rejoiner. At <laughs> yeah, point you know, that might be a good way. I to, mean, it's uh, a good looking start to the morning. Drug related. I slept under like 19 blankets last night. Mm-hmm. I got quality sleep and then woke up and felt like I could sleep for 10 more hours. And my whole body kind of aches, but they say that that's supposed to be done in about 12 hours here. If I see you licking the wall later, I'll know you're really... Yeah. Any weekend? Is this going to linger, you think? Any no, weekend plans well, they told that can me be impacted? Here's the thing. They told me it would be 24 hours, uh, a 24-hour deal. So I originally scheduled it for Tuesday because I had a fairly open Wednesday. I had a lot going on yesterday. And I went in on Tuesday, and you have to have two months between shots. So they said, oh, wait a minute. You are a day away from your two-month mark, so you can't actually take it yet. So I had to wait until Thursday. I waited until Thursday just because today, other than the show, which is fairly big, I realize, I've got nothing going on the rest of the day. So I'm hoping and anticipating by this evening it kind of wears off because I got it at like noon yesterday. But we'll see, man. I'm telling you, like, I was like, whoa. Jake just dressing up as the Easter Bunny this this weekend, just <laughs> I, running into things. I felt like the Easter Bunny yesterday, man, just like hopping around and hallucinating that like a bunny was laying chocolate eggs in the yard and all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway. Uh, again, a great leaderboard down at Augusta National. If you want to nitpick, sure, you'd love to see Tiger. Sure, you'd love to see Rory. But, you know, usually, Jake, there's like the fluke name always in the leaderboard. Charlie Hoffman has shot 66 to start the Masters, and he's going to shoot 78 today. Boy, uh, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, and Brooks Kepka saying, all right, everybody from Liv's going to shoot a million. Uh, I'm going to make sure to do my part in putting us up there. Uh, the only live player in the top 15. I thought just a really, really entertaining day one from the Masters. Mark, you can probably re- – Jake, you haven't – did you watch the full swing, the uh, Netflix series on the PGA Tour? I've not. Mark, you can probably relate to this then a little bit better. You watched it, mm-hmm. and you watched the Brooks Kepka episode. Yep. Um, pretty candid, pretty honest of – he was in some dark moments here in the past year or so. He's pretty likable, right? Or is he not? Um, 
I wouldn't necessarily say that. I, I think people respect the fact that in majors and that like that 2018 to 2020 span, you know, not to get down a rabbit hole with this term, but you know, he, he's a bit of an alpha um, and, and had a run there that you don't see in major championships, but then hit a really dark place. And I honestly thought the full swing episode, Mark probably made people appreciate him mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah, I think that was one of the more candid episodes where you got like, wow, he's really going through some things. Yeah. With this game. Do you know the number one telltale himself? sign that someone's an alpha? They tell you? No, they're the only person that doesn't. That's the number one telltale sign that you're truly an alpha. Oh. Uh, Brooks Kepka, seven under, 65 yesterday. So three guys tied at the top. The defending champion, Scotty Scheffler, with a 68 and missed seven birdie putts inside of 15 feet. So that probably lends you to think Scotty Scheffler is going to be in the haunt. Victor Hovland wore one of the worst shirts you'll ever see at the Masters and shot the lowest round of any player ever paired with Tiger Woods at the Masters. 65 for Victor Hovland. Uh, it's a great, great leaderboard. Great leaderboard. Now, I believe at the end of the show yesterday, and this was back when I still had my faculties, I believe, I think it was at the very end, you were talking about Tiger, and I said, he'll go two over. You were asking about like over, under of him, and I said, he'll go two over. Now, did he go two over? 74 for Tiger yesterday. I mean, truth be told, you probably have like a one in seven chance of getting the exact score right, right? I mean, it's going to be in a pretty decent window there. Didn't hit it close, short game issues, um, and now he is on the bad end of the draw. If you look at the forecast today at Augusta National, the guys seen off in the morning are going to have some pretty calm conditions. The guys seen off closer to the afternoon, it could get dicey from a wind. Temperatures going down and, and some rain in the forecast later today and especially into tomorrow. So uh, Mother Nature Rearing her ugly head. couple cool now, stories on the leaderboard. Sam Bennett, the fifth-year senior at Texas A&M. Um, sadly, kind of a tragic story surrounding the death of his dad a few years ago. He shoots 68, one of the lowest rounds ever for an amateur. And 63-year-old Fred Couples breaks par in round one. The sweet swinging Couples shoots 71. Um, I'd like to read you a text that I got from my friend Don. At 6.02 this morning. So Don was chomping at the bit, right? Maybe he got the vax also. Uh, Let's hear your partner and his excuse for Tiger today. (laughs) Needs to move on. Uh, It is all heart with Tiger at this point. It's not a lot of head in my belief in him. Gosh, you guys went there? Went from swinging couples to that. I mean, I don't know what's going Vaccine on Vaccine is definitely getting to, to uh, Jake early in this morning. Uh, I mean, there were no financial bets from yours truly on Tiger. I think I said it yesterday. My two wins this week, Victor Hovland and Jason Day. So after day one, yours truly Now, my man Cam Young is up there in the running, right? He's very, very happy. Yeah, Cam Young, he is... Um, He's definitely up there. Cam Young, the Major League Baseball sponsor. Rob Manfred, um, a member at his dad's country club in New York City, just outside New York. Now, there was somebody else. Who was the one that I had picked, and then I backed away, but he's he's doing well, so I'm going to pick him again. Uh, who'd you have? You had Hideki. Uh, one of your guys withdrew, right? You had Zal Torres? Nah, no, I, that, was a, that was a joke. I knew he was going to withdraw. Uh, Sam Burns. Didn't I have Sam Burns? But that was it. You backed yeah. off of Burns, threw in Zalatoris. Yeah, no. Now, why did Zalatoris back out? A, did the game Zaltair tell him to do so? a back issue for, for quite some That's time. That's why I liked him. I can relate. So, Sam Burns, four under. But man, seven under. I mean, that's a that's a legit first day for sure. Yeah, it's the most gettable day. I think when you look at the weather, you look at the conditions um, and how things are going to transpire from here. It could be a bit unprecedented from a weather standpoint. Uh, but, again, just a tremendous leaderboard. Tremendous leaderboard. Uh, 17 straight years. The winner has started round one inside of the top ten. So look at your leaderboard. Look at those top ten names. Those are some pretty good names on that leaderboard. Uh, pretty good shot that your winner's going to come from there. So this fellow, Sandy Lyle, he was nine over, right? Mark, it's because he didn't wear the... That's- he wasn't wearing suspenders. He, he kept pulling his pants up. Suspenders. Yeah. It was obvious. I mean, as soon as we saw him on the range, you knew he wasn't breaking 80. Mm-mm. This, <laughs> is a, this is a mistake, Sandy. This is a rookie mistake. 
You're better than that. Yeah, you knew he was not going to break 80. How about John Rahm? He has four putts in the first hole, double bogey, and comes back and shoots seven under. So Sandy Lyle, I'm going to state the obvious for the small percentage of people that may not know this, but you tell me if I'm wrong, Kevin. Sandy Lyle is permitted to run the master or to, to play in the Masters every year because he won it in 88, right? Correct. Yep. So, like, could Nicholas continue to play it if he wanted sure. to? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Tommy Aaron at 90-whatever, yeah. Yeah, Sandy Lyle, Thanks, Larry buddy. Mize is up there. Ian Woosnam, I think, just called it quits a couple years ago. I mean, Tom Watson played for a long, long time and, you know, pretty good player. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the unique I mean, aspects you to gotta love it right i mean for the fact that the guy sure go out there and play it right well what you love about it is again look at the people under par you've got all the big names um that you would like to see but you also have an amateur and sam bennett and a 63 year old and fred couples right you got a tea time you got a tea time and then that age i'm not gonna pass up chances to play yeah. augusta national I'll be back in a couple days honey just gonna play the first two rounds yeah probably won't be there for the weekend no can you play Augusta National on, like, um, Golden Tee? Um, I'm not sure if there is a video game associated with it. But my yeah, the, the new PGA. I mean, you can play it, but the new PGA video game. You I can, can do see it. Augusta being, like, super restrictive uh, on, yeah, totally on the right That's the big totally point of this year's edition is you can play Augusta. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, final Pacers home game of the year tonight. It will be Jaden Ivey and the Pistons. Our coverage will begin at 6.30. You know, kind of forget the Pacers had that you know, dread of a, let's spend three nights in Detroit earlier this year where they played the Pistons twice in three nights. Ivy was out due to COVID for those games. So uh, him against the Pacers has only happened once this year. Uh, Benedict Matherin certainly got the best of them in that first matchup. Uh, but that'll be, I think, a fun little way to close out the home schedule tonight. Seeing Jaden Ivy inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Yeah, and they, didn't they start the year did they start the year with Detroit or it was very early right yeah, very early uh-huh um seems like they played Detroit like every other week which is actually how they've gotten I don't know if you know this or not what are they at 36 wins uh, I think it's 34 and 46 okay, yeah, 31 of those against the Pistons I don't know if you knew that or not um, they put all that effort into winning the 30 games for Kevin they've kind of cashed in at this point <laughs> yeah they have smart. kind of you're right very smart but I keep going back to Kevin and I know that we're probably broken record on this but I just think more than other years the NBA playoffs is just wide open, right? I, I've never seen it like this. I mean, especially out west. I mean, in the east, I think you could probably three pare teams, it down right? to three. And I think some would make the argument how like, the Sixers have got to kind of prove it in the postseason for you to really, really believe in them. Uh, but the west is just wild. I mean, it still is. When you look at the standings entering the final weekend here of the regular season, you have... The Clippers as the five, they're tied with Golden State right now. A game back of them are the Lakers and the Pelicans, both currently in the play-in. So that's the big deal between, boom, Clippers and Warriors at 5-6 versus Lakers and Pelicans at 7-8. A game behind them, the Timberwolves at 9. A game and a half behind them, the Thunder with the final play-in spot, the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, a half game up on Dallas so with three games to go total in the season, Dallas has two games. The Thunder have won. Dallas has got to win both. The Thunder have to lose for Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic to make the playoffs, and Shea Gildress Alexander and Josh Giddy to not. That's that's a pretty wild storyline. The, I mean, when you look at, did you see the guy that Kevin kind of trumped your your bet on? I saw I was tagged in something. He What did he do? Uh, something in the Kings? Was a guy Kings? in Sacramento, I, I mean, I presume in Sacramento, but somebody who follows the Kings, bet $25 that Sacramento would not only make the playoffs but win their division, which is kind of funny because who even like pays attention to who wins the divisions in the NBA? No chance East I can West. name who's in which division. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, dude bet $25, uh, cashed in at ten grand. That was the bet for them to win the division? Mm-hmm. Who? I mean, who is in- and there is Golden State. I'm going to guess, division? Mark. What do we do on this program? We educate and entertain. Right. Can you please pull up the ES, the uh, on ESPN the NBA standings? And what you're going to see here is you're going to you're going to be amazed. That be and, the Pacific. And kids love this. I'm going to read off the teams in the Pacific Division that I believe 
to be the correct order. Are you ready? Portland, Golden okay. State. Go okay, here we go. Uh, I will go with the L.A. Lakers. I'll, I'll ding the bell if you're ready. Okay. The Sacramento Kings. Golden State Warriors. Phoenix Suns. How many am I missing? One. Got to be Portland, Did I right? say Portland Trailblazers? Mm. Yeah. Huh. Uh, they're in like the mountain or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, did I say Clippers? That's the one you're missing. Yeah. So it's California and Phoenix. Yep. Pretty much. But then you get that random, like in the east. I, isn't it like, there's somebody that's randomly like in the southeast, and you're like, what? Like, what division is Toronto in? Well, it's like the NFL. Why are the Colts in the AFC South? Yeah. Toronto's in the Atlantic division. The southeast is weird. It's it's Miami, Atlanta, Washington, Orlando, Charlotte. That's not terrible. I mean, that makes sense when you look at a map. But shouldn't D.C. be in the Atlantic division? I mean, anyway, for what it's worth. Does anybody hang banners in the NBA? Division winner, no, 2022. I, I think the Pacers have, haven't they? No, I guess they haven't on the one side. Colts are certainly known to hang a banner, too. Yeah, no, well, they would if they were in the uh, I did that radio show yesterday, Kevin, oh, yeah, and I think that, that people misunderstood what... It was kind of weird. I did a radio show in Scranton, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Cool guy, cool part two of the two country. days in a row. No, I did it. I did it yesterday. They had called to ask me to do it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So the way they did it was they they've had on they had before me they had a guy from from Phoenix to talk about the Cardinals before that they had a guy on from Houston to talk about the Texans and each radio person drafted said who their team was going to draft. Now I so the way that they had it was. They had Bryce Young, the guy representing, you know, from Charlotte Radio had Bryce Young going one. The guy doing Houston Radio had Stroud going two. Now, would you like to guess who they had going to Arizona at three? Uh, Was it Will Anderson? Correct. So that left, so they call me, and they're like, okay, Indianapolis is up, and there are two quarterbacks. And I said, and I know that – there are a million ways you could look at this, Kevin, and I think it's one area where you and I disagree a little bit. But I said, look, I know that Chris Ballard loves physicality and probably as a result of that is completely salivated by Anthony Richardson. But I also think that Chris Ballard is not a dumb guy and has seen Jim Mersey back off just a little bit from the impermeable praise of Chris Ballard that maybe Ballard is under a little bit of a microscope in Jim Mersey's eyes. So therefore, if there are two quarterbacks, I think Chris Ballard is smart enough to go with the one that he believes his owner would prefer. So in that scenario, given those two choices, I believe the Colts will take Will Levis of Kentucky. Should we factor in Shane Steichen having more decision? Probably. Which, you know, yeah. But in the end, I, I think they all know, I mean, you're a new guy, you're a new job. But, e- most, but either he's way, the most important one working with that guy, though. Either way, but they're like, oh man! So they like send out a thing like they they kind of made it sound like I was going with that. That I guess the other guys were doing like who they want their team to take, and I'm like, I'm not saying that's who I want them to take. I'm telling you, in that situation, that's who I think it would be. I don't care one iota who they take. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm not running the franchise. My job is to opine on what they do. And then allow the chips to fall and try to analyze it. That's it. Like it's not. I don't have pom poms, but so they. I like got killed for it. People are like, "What a moron that would that he would draft Will Levis." And I'm like, "Okay," but in Pennsylvania, I get it because he's a transfer from Penn State, right? Yeah, but he's still. not too beloved in that part of the country. Correct. He's not too beloved. I don't know that he's disliked anywhere, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yesterday, Albert Breer um, reported that the contingent. In Lexington for Will Levis's private workout included Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen, offense coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, quarterbacks coach Cam Turner, assistant GM Ed Dodds, and longtime scout Matt Turpening for the Colts. So, um, quite a big group that I, I would assume if that's the group that's gone to Lexington, that that's the group that's been all over the country this week in meeting with these quarterbacks. You know, I, I've Certainly got the impression that internally there was some like for Will Levis, but again, that was a lot of pre-Shane Steichen. And in my opinion, Shane Steichen needs to have a really 
big voice in this decision. So I am curious if Steichen would also fall in line with that. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to Matt Ryan and his wife. They welcome their third child into the world. Cal Ryan. Uh, so three boys. Matt Ryan, player, broadcast next year. Broadcaster. Mm-hmm. I think that CBS Sports gig he did in the playoffs, that was a... And that hint. was in the booth, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of studio? Yeah. I'm a little confused still why Nick Foles is on the roster. <laughs> I've wondered that too. He's still living here, I guess, right? There's a lot yeah. of former quarterbacks that are still living here, apparently. Nick Foles, how many, okay, how many former Colts quarterbacks live in the Indianapolis area? Wentz I, is huh? still here, right? Wentz? Wentz is here. Foles is here. Luck. Luck is part-time here. Sorgi. George. Who are we missing? Trudeau. Trudeau's in Arizona now, but he was, yeah, for a long time. Curtis Painter. I was going to say. Painter. Yeah. Good. Good. Is, where's Kelly Holcomb? You'd think Matt Ryan and Nick Foles, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously Carson Wentz didn't go down this path, but you'd think that Matt Ryan certainly would have more ties in Atlanta in that area and wanting to get back there. Um, Nick Foles, I guess, has never really had a super permanent home in the NFL. But where's he? I mean, didn't he go to Arizona? He did go to Arizona. He started somewhere else, didn't he? Was he a transfer? I think. Speaking of transfers. Matt Ryan, a native of Philly, obviously. How about the um, Andrew Nemhart's brother, Ryan Nemhart, yeah. in the transfer portal? If I'm Purdue, I am all over that. And there is rumor that Arizona would be where he's going to go because the coach at Arizona recruited his brother, Andrew, to, to Gonzaga. Yeah. Tommy Lloyd. He was there, yeah. Now, Tommy Lloyd, is that the name of the fellow that sells the brake parts in Tommy Boy? What's his last name? Do we know? Boy, I, I, last name doesn't See, ring let, a bell there. Let me tell you guys something. And this is what I think, truly, I, I hope when you drive home you think to yourself, it, what I'm witnessing is like the Jordan flu game. Like, I come in here and, and literally, I, I'm knocking on death's door. I mean, I fist bumped the Grim Reaper on the way into work this morning. He was hanging out on Capitol, and I just gave him a wave. I got that shingles vaccine, and I'm walking around in just a complete fog and haze, and yet I come in here, and just, you wouldn't even know it, right? It's just like, as fluid as the water just rolling down Williams Creek. Do you guys not think to yourself, no, that's impressive, isn't it? If I'm Matt Painter, I am trying to make some sort of Andrew Nemhard, Ryan <laughs> Nemhard pitch to get him to West Lafayette. Okay. All right. I don't know if that would be possible. If hey, an hour away from watching your brother play in the are NBA you saying, on occasion, are you saying to Ryan Nimhart at Purdue, we're just tough. We play hard. We're tough. We're like that guy on radio that gets that vax and is working in a fog and just comes in and is flawless. We're probably gonna have to have a lot of context around the vax talk today. <laughs> They're already coming up from the fourth floor, <laughs> right? Uh, if you look like at the shingles vaccine, folks, shingles vaccine. If you look at the uh, tank standings heading into the final weekend of the season last night, um, the Pacers had, I think it was Orlando, uh, they lost. So right now, uh, if you look at the order, you have the Pacers, the Magic, and the Jazz all tied 6-7-8. and eight. Portland is a game up oh. on them. Mark Herman. How could we forget Mark Herman? Mark Herman, there you go. I mean, there's got to be more. Uh, unfortunately, Blair Keel is no longer with us. Tommy Callahan was Tommy. But I should have known that. Is Brock Heward around here? Ooh, that's not bad. So my understanding is um, Matt Ryan. Good games for ESPN. Matt Ryan's house, by the way, there was all kinds of cult stuff in it. Like he moved. Oh, I thought you meant like he stole stuff. No, yeah, I was, I was, I was confused. There's just a like blue here. costume in here. What's going on? Like the stuff that you saw, like when they did like the press conference, and the kids are all wearing Colt stuff and mm-hmm. whatever else. It was all just like, yeah, mm-hmm. new folks can have that. Oh, they left it to oh, for the next. So Matt Ryan no longer lives here. Comes with the Correct. purchase of the house. So Matt Ryan is back in the Atlanta area. I would assume Atlanta. Yeah. If you could I, live, I don't know if he'd be very good, honestly, in studio. To be honest, yeah, I don't yeah, he's think he'd kind be of, very good. I think he's a very likable and no, nice super guy, super nice, likable guy. But, but he's but not an overly gregarious personality. You right? need to be a little bit more. I'm going to walk out on the ledge. I don't get that vibe from him. But again, maybe it's just super professional in a press conference setting. Uh, it looks like a really nice Tuesday here. Or, Tuesday. Jesus, it feels like heaven. a Tuesday. Uh, really nice Friday. Which of the two is in the fall? Which of the right two now? of us is wacky on the junk here? I mean, come on, right? It, it is a beautiful <laughs> end of the week here in Indianapolis. Next week looks absolutely outstanding. Are we done, you think, with like a 38-degree morning? Uh, 
Let's knock on wood, brother. I don't want to bring out the winter coat anymore. Is it, is so it I hope 900 so. degrees in here or is it me? Next week, these are the temps. 69, 74, 76, 78, and 80. It's your body fighting the... I look like I feel like Brendan Fraser in the whale. Yeah, you yeah. start sweating. Yeah, you know like Tiger mean? yesterday on the on the <laughs> golf course. I, you know, I saw the Texas A&M kid Sam Bennett shoot sixty eight yesterday. I was really hoping Buzz Williams was going to be his caddy. <laughs> you imagine how much Buzz would have been sweating out of the Masters. And what could happen if he got tired seven holes in? What could he have done? He could have taken a nap on Buzz's <laughs> tummy. <laughs> okay. You ever yeah, wonder what those make room, make room for Kevin Bowen though? You ever wonder how warm those. You know, caddy outfits are on a day like yesterday. Yeah, it would not be good. I think some of them go uh, a a tad uh, risky underneath the old caddy. I told you, like I asked when I was covering the Cardinals once, I asked Jim Edmonds. I said, be honest, man, in the middle of July in St. Louis when it's 90 degrees with 70% humidity and you're out there in center field in the middle of a doubleheader, what's going through your mind? And he's like, dude, it is the biggest challenge to stay awake. He's like, I'm just sitting out there just – He's like, when you see like center fielders that are like swinging their arms or whatever, he's like, you're you're doing whatever you can to just be alert. Every yeah. every eight year old right fielder can empathize yeah. with Jim Edmonds. <laughs> yeah, just picking grass out here. Totally. David, pay attention. Totally. Mm-hmm. Can we yeah, get a Pee Wee Herman again dip. from you? <laughs> you just said the magic word. That's impressive. That did you watch a lot of him, Mark? Huh? Yeah. You, of course. Did you go to the Alamo? No. Well, he went to the Alamo. I didn't know I passed it by. I like, Where's the Alamo? Did you ever go to the private club of the Huh? Did you ever go to the private club of the Saint and Selpers? No. It's off limits. You know, I feel like who could do a nice Pee Wee uh, Herman is Greg Rakestraw. You think? We can ask him. He joins us eight at o'clock. 8. Uh, Sean Kelly, is that correct, Mark? Yep. Voice of the uh, Florida Gators. Can 8.30. Get some insight Anthony Richardson. Sean Kelly. So earlier in the week, we had Dick Gabriel on with the Kentucky Radio Network to talk about Will Levis. Sean Kelly going to join us coming up at 8.30 to chat a little bit about... Anthony Richardson. I think something to hit on today in regards to Colts quarterback, the debate, Richardson, Levis. I think so much of it can boil down to what traits do they lack and is that trait teachable? What do they lack? Is it teachable? If you feel like it is, you're obviously going to feel pretty confident making that person the pick. Um, We'll get into that a little bit later. Again, it's a loopy Jake query here on on a Friday. It is a Friday in Indianapolis. It's actually a Friday everywhere in the United States, uh, including Gainesville, Florida, which is where our next guest we find on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sean Kelly is the voice of the Gators. As a matter of fact, a St. Louis native, Sean joined the University of Florida radio network, if I'm not mistaken, just about a year ago. I could be wrong in that, but he joins us now and can clarify if I'm wrong. But Sean, first off, man, I appreciate the time. You ready to talk a little Anthony Richardson with us? Yeah, why not? Good morning from Knoxville, by the way, where it's cold and wet. So would I assume that you are doing a Gators game in, against UT? A little diamond yes. action, probably. Yeah, a little diamond action started last night, and uh, we'll see if it happens tonight. I, I have my doubts at the moment. Hey, um, I want to begin by asking you this. If I would have a year ago or when you first started watching you know, Florida games, I don't know if, if this was your first or second year uh, as you know, doing their play-by-play stuff, but was Anthony Richardson kind of a, a Johnny Come Lately in terms of like, oh wow, this guy suddenly is an NFL prospect, or could you tell it the first time you saw him? Um, well, it's interesting. This past fall was my first year at Florida. The the year prior, so I guess I'd be twenty one. I was still full time with ESPN Radio. I had a national game. It was Florida at LSU. And Anthony Richardson came in in the second half of that game, maybe even the second quarter of that game, and made for a very interesting afternoon at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. Just, you know, he kind of turned your head, and, and you thought, wow, this, this could be the future at Florida. We'll see how this goes. Um, and, and then I didn't get to see him really up close and in person until I arrived on campus a couple of days before training camp last summer. And I do remember that. I do remember walking out and seeing this dude and going, whoa, I mean, that's like all American looking right off the bus type stuff. Um, Just his size, his presence on the field um, and, and what he could do with his arm, not, not to mention his legs too. So it caught my attention right away, but here was a guy that was basically now going to become the full-time starter had been anointed as the guy going into fall camp 
yet had only one career start under his belt. So there was a lot to learn in watching how he would prepare to be in that role. And so I got to see kind of Anthony Richardson from the jump, you know, the kind of the creation of what we're now seeing this spring. And so that was a really cool process to watch. It was hard to watch it sometimes because him learning to become a full-time starter was a true process. And, you know, he got thrown in the fire pretty quick. When you've got Utah coming into town, um, that's that's a pretty difficult way to start, not to mention follow that up with a game against Kentucky. So early on, Anthony was not only learning how to be a starter, but he was also going up against some of the better defensive minds in college football. So that was all very intriguing to me, kind of as the new guy on campus, but having fresh eyes on it too. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned your first time seeing him. I remember the combine thinking, wait, I thought tight ends and DNs weren't talking until later in the week when I saw him walk in with all the other quarterbacks um, here last month. Again, Sean Kelly, voice of the Florida Gators, joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Was there any surprise that he declared, Sean? You know, obviously it sounds like he's going to go pretty early, but, you know, seemingly needs a little bit more playing time. Um, was there any doubt that he would declare early? I think there was just in the sense that, again, the body of work wasn't real large. But he's a very thoughtful young man, and again, emphasis on young. I thought he did his due diligence and really waited to make his decision until the very end of the season, um, you know, out of the regular season, that time in between toward the bowl game. And so um, I thought that he did a good job of seeking out the right people, um, I even talked to him late in the year just to kind of get a gauge. You know, what are you thinking on this? And he, and he said, honest to goodness, I, I don't really know as of yet. So he took the full time that was allotted to him to make that decision. Um, and part of it was, too, just being a leader on that football team, he wanted to not leave guys in the lurch or, or, or spend the last weekend or two, week or two of the regular season, you know, with this kind of one-foot-out-the-door mentality. So I thought he handled that pretty well, but – when you look at just the tools, if you will, it, it was hard to, to, to shake your head and say, no, he made a bad decision. Uh, you know, selfishly, for me, at Florida, I would have loved to have seen what he would be like a whole other year as a starter, a full year in the Billy Napier system. That would have been pretty cool to watch. But I don't, I don't have any problem, you know, again, like, like anybody cares my opinion is on this, but I had no problem with him declaring early just because physically – He's so ready for the next level. We know the Colts have very real interest. Uh, I think you even sent out a picture this week of the plane down in Gainesville, and and certainly um, they've done their homework on Anthony Richardson. I think a huge part of this process will be how is that guy wired kind of neck up uh, and being the separator. So how would you describe Anthony Richardson, you know, personality, work ethic, teammate-wise? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of positives in that sense. And, and I took that picture, and I knew that it would kind of go a little nutty. And it's been fun to read a lot of the comments and all that. But I was just kind of having a giggle about it as I was leaving with the baseball team on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, the Colts and others are, are doing a lot of homework on Anthony Richardson. I mentioned earlier he's he's very thoughtful. Um, he's a pensive guy that has a good circle of people around him. Um, he genuinely is a pleaser. Um, and I like that about him. Where he lacks, I guess, neck up is just sheer lack of uh, um, on-task experience. You know, was it, whether it was learning how to be a starter, which I think he did eventually, but it's really trying to how do how do you gobble up film? How do you how do you go about your work during practice in that it's being watched by everybody else? Um, all those things kind of slowly came along for Anthony, and so. Um, you know, he's going to need more experience in in consuming the film, um, reading defenses in that sense. And but but yet the speed of the game doesn't bother him a whole lot. Um, yeah, obviously, there are some questions about his accuracy. I think that there's a couple of things involved in there. One, somebody's going to work with him on his feet a little bit more uh, with regard to throwing the football. And and two, I think that, you know, obviously at the next level he's going to have a better batch of receivers to deal with as well. So all those things will help that number grow a little bit. But this is a young man that, you know, is very grounded at home. Um, again, a pleaser in a lot of ways. And I think the other thing that was kind of fun to watch was how he became more of a vocal leader around the Gator football program. I think there were some conversations after the Kentucky loss early in the season about – Yes, certainly you want to lead by example, but 
you know, you've got a booming voice and, and a voice that needs to be heard in this locker room even more. And so to kind of watch him take better command of huddles and and encourage and, and be critical when the time came to be as far as his teammates go, um, learning not just his position, the running back position, the, the receiver position, but also knowing on any given play where his left guard is going to be looking or needs to be focused on and how that will affect how a play might progress for him. So all those things obviously are still very young in his in his arc, in his learning process. And ideally, I think, guys, and again, I'm just saying this just from watching where he started last year and where he ended up, in, in that the ideal situation for him at the next level would be not to have to take the whole thing onto his shoulders right away. Could he be in a place where it might take a year for him to learn under somebody or – something along those lines. Now, look, it, there, there could be a team that says, ready right away, this is the guy we need right now, and I, I hope that's the best for that franchise and for him. Uh, we'll have to just see how, to see how that goes later this month. You kind of tipped your hand on, on this one, Sean, on the answer, but to elaborate on it a little bit, Sean Kelly, the voice of the Gators, is our guest on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Um, I want you to imagine this hypothetical. You pull kind of a Ted Lasso, and all of a sudden, like, an Australian rules football team decides they're going to hire you and pay you a boatload of money to come be the voice of the kangaroos. And you're like, all right, I'm going to do it. It's something different. So you go to Australia for three years. You completely cut yourself out of the culture in the United States and you pay no attention to the NFL. You come back to the United States and somebody says, yeah, Anthony Richardson kind of flamed out. And you say, oh, why? What's the answer? It would be that he was put in a position too early to succeed. Um, that would be my. That would be the thing that I think that I would recognize if somebody were to tell me that if I were to leave the country for the next three years, because everything else makes sense, right? Look, nobody ran better as a quarterback in college football than Anthony Richardson. Whether it was running over people or making them miss, he can make every throw. He has an absolute cannon for an arm and uh the size overall is undeniable as far as bringing him down and and yeah i think he can be a good pocket passer and i think he also you know checks that dual threat box too it would simply be that is that if he flames out he was probably put into a situation that he wasn't either quite ready for or uh, asked too much of him too quick if that makes any sense and if he if you come back and somebody says oh man Richardson has completely blown up. Um, you know, obviously, it's probably because of the athleticism, the ability to run. I've, you know, Indianapolis would have to get him some weapons if they were to get him. But I wanted you to touch on this. Presumably, you would be happy for him because you kind of indicated there that he's a pretty decent guy. Uh, give me a story about Anthony Richardson that tells us a little bit something about him aside from his football talent. Gosh, it would be this. I, I, I never saw Anthony Richardson not take a moment, even on a bad day, to either spend time with a, a kid that wanted to, to either meet him, get his autograph, find some way to kind of touch and be awed, in, in awe of what he was. Whether it be, you know, here's this giant human being playing quarterback, or whether it was a hometown kid who, just like him in Gainesville, may playing in the swamp or for the Gators, and here's this guy in front of him and just wants a moment of his time. I never saw Anthony not take advantage of that opportunity to make a mark on a young person, uh, not to mention um, the care that he put into a lot of his teammates, whether they were struggling with something with mental health or if they were trying to recover from some kind of an injury. Anthony was always encouraging. And one of the cool things that I got to do with him this past year was I kind of felt like coming from the ESPN world and all that, I kind of knew what would be ahead for him. And I thought, wouldn't it be a good idea to work with him on his interview skills, have him more comfortable with being that guy that has to talk every day. And so on Fridays, I would kind of spend the morning with Anthony. We would record an interview for the pregame show. And yet I would get to see him kind of interact more in the locker room with his teammates, much like you would see in an NFL situation. In college football, no one goes in the locker room. You don't get that kind of a look, yet I was blessed to be able to have that opportunity to be with him in that situation. And so those are the kind of things, you know, on top of everything else that you hear about his background, his relationship with his mother and everything else that just played into who this young man is 
and the kind of person that he is too. Sean, what's uh, isn't there a story like him, um, like riding his bike with his little brother as a Gainesville native? I, they have a very close relationship, right? Yeah, I, I don't know the full extent of that story, so I can't elaborate a whole lot more on that. So I just know that you know this was this was a young guy that. Um, probably his whole career was more gifted athletically than anybody else in town, but yet never acted that way or or put that in front of somebody's face in a negative way. So all those you know all those things I hear um, don't surprise me one bit. All right, final one again, Sean Kelly, voice of the Gators, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, at the Masters this week, we were talking about kind of like bucket list sporting events. I've never been to an SEC football game. Um, should I put the world's largest cocktail party on the bucket list? Yeah, and and here's why because I was exposed to it for the first time last year for whatever reason at ESPN. I, I don't know if it was you know Westwood had it or whatever, but as the lead guy for ESPN College Football, I thought for sure I would get to go experience that game in Jacksonville. Well, it never happened. So last year was my first time, and I can't get it out of my mind when you come over the river up over the bridge there into downtown Jacksonville, and that whole scene opens up in front of you. It is the most crazy. Uh, packed tailgate scene I have ever seen in my college football career. Uh, it was a total free-for-all, and it's just this even mix of both Georgia fans and Florida fans. Um, and then you get into the building, and they've got the stadium split down the middle, much like OU Texas or Texas OU, depending on which camp you come from. But, you know, those those situations are more and more rare in college football, so I hope that you do put that on your bucket list because it was more impressive than I was told it would be, and uh, I was kind of cop-struck by the whole thing when I saw it for the first time. Are people just playing Leonard Skinner the whole time? That's what I think of in Jacksonville. Oh, it, no, it's all over the map. It's everything from Leonard Skinner to, you know, Big Daddy and everybody. I mean, it's every kind of music. In fact, one of the kind of cool sites was you park in the parking lot and you're working your way toward the stadium and everybody is, it is a full-on block party. Every parking space is a tailgate scene. In fact, one of the, the fraternities had, you know those those little flatbed trucks you can rent at the Home Depot for like, yeah. what is it, 1995? They rented one of those trucks so they could put a DJ on top of it and use that as the center of their party. I mean, Let's go. Kind of resources, Sean. Resources, right? I mean, right, it, look. it's what college is all about. Kids are yeah. smart in college. Now, do do the Florida fans? This is what I would find cool about it, Sean. Do the Georgia fans and Florida fans kind of intermingle with one another and soak in the experience together, and then go watch the game, and then you know, or is it like totally divided? It's pretty divided. There's not a whole lot of cross pollination there between those two fan bases. I mean, there are exceptions, but you know, just like a lot of things with regard to football in the South. Friendly uh, in the sense that brother might be uh, against another brother's school, or you may have one family marry into another. But for the most part, there is a strict wearing of specific colors and uh, and who you associate with. There isn't much like these days between Florida and Georgia. It just means more. And having gone to the national title game here a few years ago, uh, it certainly means more in the SEC. Sean, great stuff, man. Hope uh, Mother Nature cooperates in Knoxville for you guys and uh, you get the weekend series in, but appreciate the time. Appreciate it. Great to talk to you guys, too. Thanks. All right, good Friday morning to you. Looks to be a beautiful weekend here. Next week looks really promising as well. I'm always curious, like post-basketball season, I know the schedule's pretty filled, but what is the schedule for Greg Rakestraw uh, now that the high school basketball season has ended? I know some Indy 11s certainly on the docket. Uh, Rake, what does the April-May-ish schedule look like for you? All right, so this week was a college softball doubleheader on Tuesday was attending the Indy 11 U.S. Open Cup match, not broadcasting it, so having a couple of Heinekens during the game nice. on Wednesday. Uh, Were you in the battalion? Baseball. What's that? Were I you in the battalion? Our battalion because I probably don't feel like standing for 90 minutes, and I can't like scream for 90 minutes. Like it's one of the few things I have to like not do because what I do for a living, got to protect the money maker. So I sat in the broadcast booth. People thought I was like sad and lonely. I'm no, this is wonderful. I'm sitting here having a beer and nobody's bothering me. This is great. And I have a you know wonderful view of the action. Um, college baseball last night, college softball this afternoon, high school softball tomorrow morning, and then Indy 11 tomorrow night. You bring up college baseball. Um, 
what's his, is it Max Clark? Is that right from Franklin? Is he still Correct. supposed to be like number one pick, top five pick coming up? Number one pick or going to Vanderbilt, and he has he has his options. Uh, and uh, you know, I said the high school baseball season is a couple of weeks old at this point. But uh, yes, uh, this state has the number one prospect in both high school baseball and high school softball in the country. That's which wild. Is, which is interesting, Greg, because and maybe you can expand on this. Both Southsiders. You know, we live in a world now where athletes are more on the radar because of the internet, obviously, sure. and the different web pages dedicated to it. But it does feel to me like Indiana has had a rise in top level talent coming out. I mean, aside from just Brownsburg. Is there something specifically that has led to that, or is it strictly that we have a better means of being able to track it? I think it's a combination of those two things. I mean, you've, you've got the general population increase and influx here in, in central Indiana. Um, you know, even though it's not a, a year-round baseball state in terms of weather, it is very much a year-round baseball state in terms of training. You've got great facilities great teachers, former players that, that, that live in the area. Um, and, and maybe, I know this is the case in, in Clark's case, you know, he played football this past fall. You know, you've got, maybe you actually get the benefit of not having overusage injuries because you kind of have to take a break, uh, you know, during, during certain parts uh, of, of the year. So I'm sure it's a variety of factors, but Indiana's always been a, a, a better baseball state people give it credit for. Is it ever going to supplant basketball in the state? Of course not. Uh, is it what high school football in the state is? Probably not. But you look historically, there are usually guys from Indiana that, that go significantly high in the MLB draft every year. Yeah, I know. I always feel like that's kind of like, wow, another Indiana kid going right. in round one. Um, it's always pretty impressive to see. Greg Gregstraw is with us here. ISC Sports Network. Of course, Indy 11 season is underway. Rick, we saw earlier this week the Indiana All-Stars were announced. I believe we're still like a week and a half-ish away from Mr. Basketball. Um, is the assumption there that Penn's Marcus Burton will take that home? Yes, it is. Um, and, and that is held up for the Indy Star, you know, awards program that they do every year. But uh, there's not much trauma in this one. It's going to be Marcus Burton. Should I be happy about him in South Bend? Honestly, given the roster, I should probably be happy about anybody on Michael Shrewsbury's roster right now. But you think he can play given the size at the ACC level? Uh, what what he lacks in, in size, he makes up for in speed. And you got to remember... It, you know, it trickles down to college basketball. It's not like it is in the NBA completely. But, you know, things are so spaced out. The floor is so spaced that a, a lack of height or overall size is not the detriment that it once was. Dude can absolutely fly up and down the floor. You should be very happy he's playing for your favorite college basketball team. Sounded like you guys had a wonderful conversation with Mikey yesterday morning. We did, and I kept my shirt on. I was a professional. Um, I, I thought I behaved very well, and Micah said, "If next time you come up to South Bend, bring some Long's Donuts. I said, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> did you Did you already commit to season tickets for the next 40 years at this point? Um, you know what, Rake, I think they actually pay for you to come into the Joyce Center um, if you, if you want to be a Notre Dame basketball fan. So I have a feeling my brother and I will be making the trek up 31 um, quite a few times. At some point in time, you and I will road trip for a game. I got like three nights off a year. I'll take one of them uh, and we'll road trip because I got to call a game there. It's been 20 years since I've been up there. This was definitely way before Purcell Pavilion days. This was the old roundhouse days. But I thought that building was so cool. So at some point in time, yes. I know Micah pretty well. I would love to road trip for a game. I do not tease me, Rick. You, me, thirty-one. We'll stop. Just you know, we'll stop in Peru, maybe I, the the BP and McDonald's and Rochester. We could stop. So it's going to be great. Done, done deal. Cone Palace and Kokomo. Maybe the hip hugger if things go well. Whoa! Here oh we boy. go. Here we go. Here, here Celebrate we go. a big okay. win. Hey, Greg. This is kind of a a topic that, that we've had a lot of discussion about, but I think it's worth having again. I, you know, when I was in high school, Greg. Adam Alexander and I were at WJEL, your Panther Sports Connection, North Central's radio station. Hail, hail. That's right. Hail, hail our Panthers. And we got credentialed to do the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Game on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, and we absolutely, I mean, we were over the moon and stars about it. That was the biggest thrill for me because the Indiana-Kentucky game, it was Dwayne Morton for Kentucky. It was Eric Montross and Damon Bailey for Indiana. We were juniors. They were seniors. Seventeen thousand. Freedom Hall here too, or just the one at Market? We Square? We just did Market Square. 
But it was such a big deal, partially because I was a kid, admittedly. But for kids today, it, it makes me sad that they don't get to experience that level of magnitude of it. And Indiana certainly has done their part. Right. But is that going to be, you know, has AAU diluted the significance of that? Does it have long-term viability? I hope it does. And again, you said it well. We in Indiana have done our best. And I know the folks in Kentucky that are trying. They're, uh, Scott Chalk, the Van Hooses, they're wonderful people to work with. So, you know, you're talking to the right guy on this front. We go down to Kentucky and televise that game. I've been to the Owensboro Sports Center the last couple of years. And I know that building well because that has been the home for decades for Kentucky Wesleyan basketball. And, and 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 I love that building because they were a rival of UND back in the day, and I've got great memories of calling games from there in, in college. Uh, there are about 500 people in that building last year. Hmm. You know, Indiana is taking it back to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Mike Broughton is doing everything he can. They are adding futures games for both the boys and, and girls from Indiana. So on June 10th, there's four games that day at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I think it is still a big deal to make the all-star team and play for the all-star team. And being able to bring the game back for the first time since 2019 to an NBA arena, that makes it a massive deal for the kids. The qualification process in Kentucky is a little bit different than it is in Indiana. And there there has not been the talent in Kentucky, but some of the top talent has not played in the game um, this has not been as – it's happened on a couple of occasions. It's not been a routine thing, but you also sometimes have coaches that basically say, I don't want you playing in that game. Or some kids have to be on campus, say, the, the, you know, the end of May. Now most kids will play in the game on June 10th and then head to their college campus the next day on June the 11th because simply put, you can now be on campus during the summer as part part of your scholarship, and you get those workouts, you get credits out of the way. So much like everything in life, it is a confluence of factors as to why the game is not as big of a deal as it used to be. But believe me, it's not from a lack of effort from a lot of people, and frankly, myself and the ISC Sports Network included. Yeah, it almost seems like annually now there's a kid that's like, oh, he's on his college campus early. You know, it, it, yep. it seems like that that scheduling part of it is a big factor as well. He's great, Greg Straw. We're going to road trip up to South Bend coming up this fall. I yep. can't wait after he just uh, dropped that little Easter bunny nugget on me here. Easter bunny nugget. Okay. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, Ray, Be careful around those nuggets bunnies leave, just so you know. If they're warm, don't step in them. Because. <laughs> well, you, you never know. Nowadays, nuggets, 420, you know, the date is kind of okay. approaching. You never okay. know what, what you know. This, we go. this road trip could be pretty interesting uh, if the hip hugger is involved as well. Huh. Rake, if you were to like make a list of, all right, uh, hey, casual Indiana sports fan, uh, list the Division One men's basketball programs in the state. I feel like Valpo is probably like the forgotten one. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Valpo. You know, what is going on up there? They are currently, if I'm not mistaken, searching for a head coach. I feel like Indiana State and Ball State have really found nice coaching situations here recently. Again, I know it's probably the least notable D1 school, but you got a name for Valpo to try and get back on the map in the MoVal? You know, they are so far off of my radar at this point. Um, and, and they were a team that was a focus of mine for the better part of the decade because when I started doing the games for IUPUI in 2001 and they're in the midcon, Valpo was kind of at the tail end of a decade of dominance where you just penciled them into the NCAA tournament every year. They, they had a modicum of success in the Horizon League. Great work. And frankly, you couldn't turn down when the Missouri Valley says, hey, we want you because of your connection to the Chicagoland market, you're not going to turn the Missouri Valley down. But it's, it's, they have completely kind of fallen off the map. And while the Missouri Valley is not what it was maybe 10 years ago, is the Missouri Valley definitively better than the Mid-American Conference and the Horizon League and the Summit League? You know, absolutely it is. So that, that is a school that, frankly, I, I, I could drive you there. I, I, I could point out which building on campus is the Ark. I know that Zane Dowdy's not going there, and they changed the name from the Crusaders. That is my level of knowledge of Valparaiso University men's basketball at this juncture. Yeah, I feel like, oh, and I remember them. They had like a nice international pipeline 
with the yep. Drew family. Uh, so Zane Dowdy, I do want to ask you about that. Obviously, an unbelievable performance in the state finals for him against Floyd Badunga. Uh, reopened his commitment. Do we know any schools on that list? You know, I think I think it's very similar to kind of like Jake Laravia. Um, when, when Jake was was kind of blowing up as a high school senior and was going to go to SIU Edwardsville, his 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 he, you know coaching change there. They fired John Harris. He reopens his his recruiting process and he ends up at Indiana State. In other words, you know, I I would expect I for as much as I, I love Zane as a basketball player, I don't think he's a Big Ten level kid. Uh, and so you know, but there's been some conversation with Ball State, IUPUI other kind of mid-major local-level programs. I think he is, again, another Missouri Valley school could be in the running. A Mid-American Conference school could be in the running. Let's face it, Ball State now has a need for a big man with Peyton Sparks leaving to go to play at Indiana University. That would kind of make a lot of sense uh, for Zane at this point. Uh, but I think you're looking at, at, at that level of school, and I do think he tries to stay in-state if possible. I'm telling you, he has Greg written all over him the guy that three years from now is one of them that they're featuring in the middle of a 5-12 game in the NCAA tournament because sure. he's averaging 19 and 10 and it's like for the hilltoppers is, right this is a this is a team they're gonna have to worry about you know Michigan State's got their hands full that kind of thing because he's physical physically he can match a big 10 level post I'd agree with that what what Zane will work on whoever he plays at the next level is working on a more consistent 15 foot jump shot uh, I'm not sure he's ever going to be a three-pointer Again, just a, a, a remarkable motor, tremendous. He, he's, a, he's a defensive-ready college basketball player right now and one of the few kids physically who is ready for the rigors of, of college basketball right now has to work on developing more of his offensive game. Hey, Greg, in three weeks, the Colts send you down to go do a feature, article, interview, radio, whatever, on their first – players selected in the draft so you tell your kids like yeah dad's going to be gone for a day i've got a, a work trip but you decide to bring them back a little nugget little souvenir from where it is that oh, you have to go Easter bunny nugget that's right what do you bring back i am probably bringing them back decals uh, or stuffed animals from the kentucky horse parks i think i'm going to lexington yep i'm i'm with you i, I told kevin i did a radio interview yesterday with a station in pennsylvania that had a different and this is a cool way to do it. They had I've a done diff- that show before. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking like, about. It's kind of like a mock draft. Yep. And so they asked me, they're like, okay, you know, CJ Stroud was off the board, Anderson was off the board, Bryce Young was off the board, and they're like, Indianapolis now we go to Jake Quarry who covers the Colts, you know, talks about the Colts, whatever. You know, who's it gonna be? And I said, Well, based on that, I think the player they would take, I think that Chris Ballard really likes the physicality of Anthony Richardson, but I also think that Chris Ballard knows that his owner really likes Will Levis. And I think Chris Ballard will be able to make that decision, but Chris Ballard is smart enough to make the decision that his owner is leaning towards. So I think it's Will Levis. And they were like, I can't believe you, you think Will Levis is going to be any good. I'm like, I didn't say that. I'm just telling you that's who I think they're going to take, right? I have no idea if he's going to be any good, but I think that's their guy. Well, the last time that I did that show, I think I lucked into saying Quentin Nelson, and that's exactly who the Colts got. Um, but I, I, if if the Cardinals, I, I'd be stunned if the Cardinals don't trade that pick. And I know a lot of the mocks have, have got Anderson going, the edge rusher, have, have got him going to three to the Arizona Cardinals. I still think if the Colts aren't going to move to three, that somebody else will. Yeah, agree. And 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 Richardson goes at three, and the Colts say, okay, fine. Will Levis is our guy at four, and, and that's who we're going to go with. Um, if Richardson is still there at four, now we're having a different conversation. Um, may, I, I do think that, that if Richardson's available, that might be a hard, hard you know, potential player to turn down. But my thought has been the Colts are not going to want to move up even a spot. They are content to let somebody leapfrog them if they really want to go after Richardson. And if not... Will Levis is going to be their guy. And if you're Arizona, Rake, just milk it till the final minute because if for some reason C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young surprisingly fall to three, now the people that weren't maybe calling you a month ago could be calling you three, well, I guess, what, three weeks from yesterday. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I'd be asking for the moon if I were them too. <laughs> I would be playing teams against each other all the way until about 7 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday, April the 27th. Rake, the donner of the green jacket, come Sunday, potentially Monday, will be who? 
Oh man, um, I'm, I'm kind of. I hope it's John Rahm. I'd love to see him do it. And obviously, he's in great position after a great start yesterday. Um, you know, Scheffler obviously is a, is, a, is always a great pick going into the weekend. But knowing that it's usually a front runner, it's usually somebody that plays very well on Thursday. So just look at the top ten of the leaderboard. Why not go past the guy that's you know atop it right now, John Rahm? Taco John's in Peru, hip hugger on our way back, Notre Dame basketball in between. Greg Rakestraw and myself up 31 here coming up this fall. Rake, literally it'll be Christmas Day for me. Thank you. God, fellas, take care.